Welcome to the Hunting Standard Podcast, featuring your hosts, Brady Ovid and Garrett Wood. Now, join us and dial in your next hunting adventure. All right, welcome everybody to our special episode of In the News. So last week, or not last week, I guess, a couple days ago, two days ago, Monday, we talked about um, kind of like breaking news, and we were gonna. D- we felt that in the episode we didn't have enough time to really dive into this because we had such a big topic with the mountain lion hunt. So we're doing this special bonus. episode, bonus episode, coming out on Wednesday for you guys today. And um, we just wanted to talk about something that is directly affecting Montana. And hunters all over the state have been seeing and kind of wondering why. So here's an article um, that a guy wrote that he got the information from FWP. Because FWP, in all of their glory, is not going to come out and just say, don't come to Montana, mule deer numbers are, are down. No, they want to keep selling tags. They want to sell tags. They want to make money, yeah. right? And that's kind of the the beast of it all. So yeah. um, this article is Montana Region 7 deer populations cut in half. That's in right. In you half. You heard it right. In half. That's sick. Um, is this is this across the state? Across parts Region of the 7. State? This region is seven. Yeah, focusing on... Um, the most populated deer, uh, mule deer regions in Montana, Region Seven, okay, which is the far eastern half of the state, basically, yeah, or, or I guess quarter of the state, which we've kind of we've hunted for. Yep, the we've last few years been over there playing. Yep, we've definitely taken advantage of the rise in mule deer population in the past. Yeah, but within the last year or two, we have definitely noticed the decrease. And population numbers and quality size over there. For sure. So uh, the guy who wrote this article is Dan Picker. Um, I hope I'm not butchering your last name, but I don't know. Where's this published? It is what it is. Um, it was published to the Eastman's blog. Oh, okay. Yep. So the Eastman's um, blog tied in with the hunting journal. Um, So I'll just read a little bit of it and we'll kind of dissect it as we go. Um, it says, the Montana Deer Population Survey numbers for t- uh, 2022 were published late last year and show that mule deer numbers are down, way down. There are a lot of factors to blame, starting with the largest culprit that has been proven by research in many of the western states, and that is drought. And um, kind of from where we, I lived, and you lived not too far away, did you notice that? Yeah, a- the last couple of years that I was over east for sure was... I mean, there's a lot of reservoirs in that country, right? Yep. Where a lot of that open stuff, and, and that's where a lot of these animals water, yeah. is at those reservoirs. And those years, the last few years that we were there, both of us, I think, you could drive around and look at those different reservoirs, and they're, like, significantly lower than they had been in previous years. For sure. I don't have a long time frame to evaluate how they've been in the past i guess but in the time that i was around that country for sure there was the last several years they dropped significantly well and drought does two things right 
So everyone's everyone uh, uh, complaint that has been going on for quite some time now is that all the deer, elk, ungulate species are making their way towards private. Okay. Mm-hmm. You think about where private is in a lot of these eastern places in the western part of the United States, eastern towns. It's along a body of water, right? Because especially in this area of Montana and Wyoming and everything, we're looking at ranches, right? That's most what's, that's most what's feeding the economy. The yeah, most country. of these little towns are r- cattle ranches, sheep ranches, agricultural ranches, yep. and they need water to exist. So we're talking about Yellowstone River, Tongue River, Powder River, uh, Missouri, milk. the milk. That's just in Montana, you know, uh, Fort Peck, and all of the drainages that run off of that, yep. Muscle Shell, all these different little tributaries that, you know, feed hundreds upon hundreds of gallons of water to these ranches to allow them to irrigate and allow life to subside yeah. alongside them. So the drought. So less water, less rain to puddle up, which congregates animals in a specific area around these bodies of water, which will lead to one of our next little deals. Okay. Um, it says that research shows that deer, or does in, pr- in particular, um, that go into winter in poor shape with minimal body fat and dry ears have much lower fawn health and birth rates in the spring for the next year. 2020 through 2022 were very dry years in the eastern half of the state, and forage in the fall of 2021 was especially poor when I hunted there, uh, according to the author, right? Sure. Um, Trophy quality also seemed to be hurt by the drought in 2022. Population counts showed that 58,000 mule deer in Region 7, which was down from 114,000 in 2020. Holy cow. That's crazy. That's a 52% decrease. Yeah. And I noticed that too because um, the first year I hunted down there, like it lo- there was, what I consider a trophy mule deer is like 160, 150 to 150 inch or in higher basically. Yeah. Kay. Like a, usually a four by four or big framed deer, right? Yeah. Anyways, trophy for someone. The first year I was there, they were, like, you know, everywhere. Mosquitoes, man. They're just running around crazy. Yeah. And then I just noticed, and I I journaled about it a little bit, too, about the next year after um, that hunting season, just the lack of fawn, you know, fawns that I saw. I was like, hmm, weird. You know, does just didn't have fawns Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I think we'll get into that. And I didn't see as many trophy class bucks. And I definitely didn't see as many little bucks. Yeah. I think it was like 2021. Spring. That's what I was going to say. Spring of 2021. Um, spending time in some of that country along the river bottom too. Mm-hmm. I remember finding quite a few dead ones or carcasses over yeah. there. That It's like, wha- I mean, within several mile stretch where there's multiple dead deer and you're like, yeah. what's, what's going on here? Yep. Right along the river. And for me, those deer that I, ha- that I found, cause I did find a few too, were mainly whitetail. Some, yeah. And I guess some of both, but, um, that's going to get into this next part of uh, uh, the next factor 
is disease that kind of swept through the eastern half of the state in the last couple of years. Um, okay. It says disease is another factor and sure doesn't help the situation. Uh, EHD, which was a big outbreak a couple of years ago, uh, blue tongues always rolling around um, at times. And then CWD, which most of the nation's been kind of dealing with that in little hotspot areas. Yeah. Um, all these diseases have affected the eastern half of the state in the last few years. CWD has been um, the one in the spotlight recently, but there's proof that CWD has, or there's no proof that CWD has wiped out entire herds of deer in the west, unless you consider how it has impacted impacted states like Montana's deer management policies. Um, as far as that goes, CWD is definitely in Montana in different spots, you know? Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is due to the congregation on private land around each other spreading and in these water areas. Sure. Which, unfortunately, that is how EHD and blue tongue is also spread is through those gnats in stagnant water areas. So if you have a backwater, like on the Yellowstone River or such, and a deer goes down and drinks from it in the summertime when, you know, drought, it's obviously hot. Yeah, like Talking about the drought, I mean, think of the number of these spots that's increased. I mean, how many more of these spots there is than there normally is. Yeah. Rivers start drying up. It leaves little puddles off here and there. I mean, they're yep. and much those more are abundant. Perfect breeding grounds for these gnats, you know. And they get them when, uh, they get the deer when they're high, they're at their thinnest stage. Sure. Because that's when they're biting them and all that. You know, it, it's a whole deal with that. But yeah, so that's a, that's another another factor that is also caused by drought. You know, they're kind of just one leads to another in the situation. Continues the decline. Yep. And I noticed that the EHD that year, talking from my cousin who has a ranch uh, over east, and he kind of noticed it too, obviously. Um, and just the overall numbers from year to year, where I'm like, man, you're seeing deer all over the place too. Hmm. Where did all these go? Cause they're not getting hunted. Sure. And it's on private land. You yeah, know, where are these weird? There's no reason that these deer should be dead Yeah. or, you know, not here right now. This guy's got a freshly cut hay field, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's just the deer aren't there. So it's like, hmm, there was thousands last year. Why is there 10 this year? Yeah. Um, apparent enough to a bunch of people that it's easy to notice what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, not know what's going on, but that see that there's something influencing their population. Right. And then the last deal here is kind of the biggest gripe, I think, um, from residents anyways, is overhunting. You know, and this guy this guy writes, overhunting could also be a factor, um, and it's been proven uh by the research that BHA did and the stuff that they just came out with and they're taking that to Helena to try to resolve some things. Um, But Montana has gained a lot of residents in the last two years. Obviously, you know, people are moving in, wanting to be, wanting to be here. The housing market's crazy. A lot of factors with that. But, um, yeah, Montana is an opportunity state and it's not managed for trophies. So there's three different types of state management strategies i would say in the country so there's states like alaska and alaska might be the only one that is managed for subsistence so solely driven by sustaining upon the landscape by using the natural resources for the residents yeah so 
100% geared towards residents. And their okay. survival. <laughs> Putting meat in the freezer. And their survival. Right. Yeah. Then there's the trophy managed states. States like, well, Montana is a little bit as far as elk in different areas, but uh, Nevada, Utah, all these other Arizona, states. Arizona. Yeah. Um, those states are giving you an opportunity at a trophy. And that's why you apply. Yeah. Montana is the land of opportunity. Kay. Yeah, buddy. As far as hunting <laughs> goes. <laughs> so what that means is they're not guaranteeing you a big animal, but they're gar- guaranteeing you an opportunity at an animal, basically. Sure. Is their philosophy with that. Um, it's managed for opportunity, hence the many general tag areas, uh, as this guy writes. Um, basically, Montana is a if it's brown, it's down kind of state, and all of regions six and seven are either are either either sex or either species, except for one district on the general tag. In addition, there are thousands of antlerless tags available for each species and region in the region as well. Yeah, I mean, what we're what we could get seven seven like seven mule deer doe tags over there. Yeah, yeah, and. What do you think that does to? There's two things, right? And this comes to kind of contradicting deals. There's so many deer congregated in one area, yeah, that you can't hunt them because the landowner doesn't allow it, right? Which is their right. But then you know they also kind of complain about being eaten out out of house and home, which it's like okay, whatever you say. Sure. And then there's over over harvest on areas that don't have these huge numbers. Yeah. So now you have all of the animals in one spot lending itself to disease, lending itself to these drought situations. And I mean you're having people just slaughter them. <laughs> so the popula- the populations that are living off of public landscapes I mean we saw it and we didn't shoot them because of it. These deer were literally like, as, as soon as you rolled up on them, uh, mule deer in most parts of the United States, they'll look at you like you're stupid. Where we're at at the moment. Bound off. We could go out and kill a mule deer with a slingshot, I think. Yeah, no, for 100%, you could like hit him over the head with a two by four. Yeah. You know, if, if that's. But in some of the, like when the first time I came over and hunted some of that with you, I remember rolling up skittish. on some of these deer and like, Thinking, you know, you just look at them, hang out, spend your, take your time, whatever. Because typically, but they're skittish. You stop the truck and they're moving. Which, yeah, typically, shows me there's pressure. A mule deer will bound away, turn around, look, and see what the threat was. Right, that's in their genetic code. Yeah. Well, the ones where we were hunting, their genetic code was travel for as many <laughs> thousands of miles away <laughs> as possible. You know, yeah. Which is just pressure, you know, from over hunting, as put in this article. Sure. Because how many state of Montana trucks did you see? I would say probably about a third were Montana residents. Yeah. And 90% of that third was from Bozeman. (laughs) (laughs) So, Come on, Bozeman. Yeah. Yeah, so two-thirds of the trucks that we're running into are non-residents. Yeah. And then the other third is from Bozeman, who was a non-resident 13 months ago. Yeah. So there's multiple sides to it, like you're saying, because obviously we took advantage of this and enjoy going over there and 
hunting and all the opportunity that there is and the many tags that are given out, I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's great a land of too, plenty. Yes. In most occasions. But there comes a point, I guess, when the pressure gets to be too much and numbers start going down, and then it's not such a good thing anymore. Yep, it's just like a, you know, micro-macroeconomic scale, you know. Yeah. The higher the uh, the numbers get, the more hunters that are going to potentially start showing up there. The lower the numbers get, the less hunters, hopefully. You know, and it's just like trying to find the balance. Yeah, and the other factors that we're talking about that are coming into it. The drought, the diseases. Those are all skewing. Start bringing the numbers down as well. Yeah, so sometimes you'll get like a way lopsided scale. Yeah. But it's crazy that there's that big of a decrease in just a year or so, though. Yeah. That's wild. Because there's so much land, right? You think about that. That's such a big area. That's such a big number. Yeah. But then you think about the congregatedness of these animals Mm -hmm. and the private land and where these water bodies are going through. It makes sense, man. Yeah. Because a lot... So, Western hunting has become a money game. Has been for a while. It's all about how much you can afford. But more and more. We're more and more, yeah, and it's just increasing, and they're way. getting more money f- than ever before. Like we talked about on Monday, Monday's episode of the lion hunting, eighty five hundred dollars to kill a lion. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> but people pay it, so good on them for getting that much money. Yeah, you know, but as far as these deer, people are paying more and more to shoot, clo- you know, trophy class deer, and where are the trophy class deer? In a place where they're not going to get killed. And if that's in Betty Lou's cornfield, then that's where it is. That's where you're going. And, yeah. you know, so this outfitter leases the hunting rights. They have, let's say, 12 trophy class deer on this cornfield. They're going to take eight hunters. And the next year, they'll have another 12 or 13 or 14 trophy class deer in their minds. Well, guess what? Eight Killing eight trophy class bucks off this place man i mean makes you money and might manage the the buck herd how about the 800 or 900 does that are living on there mm-hmm. like you gotta it's a scale i mean you can't just you gotta kill them yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sounds you know to the untrained eye that sounds harsh or whatever but yeah it's either you kill them use their their meat and their you know their being as a resource or you let them die in a creek and rot away and become a resource for the landscape. But either way, it's not a bad thing. The only difference is now with the CWD, if they're dying in a in a landscape, spreading those spreading animals. Yep. Yep. But that's our that's our news, man. That's the information. Yeah. Do you have a solution to this? Do we offer solutions to this? <laughs> man, uh, it's a complicated issue. It's a very complicated issue. Uh in my mind, the solution is rather political, yeah, and it just needs to be better management throughout the state and put more boots on the ground. Instead of worrying about these wolves, it has a place and time and a place for wolf biologists and grizzly bear biologists, but that's all been in the spotlight so long yeah, that everyone wants to be a wolf biologist. Everyone wants to be a grizzly bear biologist. Sure. What we need is... Uh, like a deer task force 
for each of these little regions that stop talk to landowners and try to figure out a way because i mean they get depredation permits all the time yeah well the thing is too like you're saying like the money side of things is driving the industry yeah like not helping that kind of clouds your vision when it comes to manage i mean a lot of these landowners would be good at managing what they have going the herd on their place they pay way more attention to it yeah but when you're making fat checks off it every year right the incentive to just when you're getting fa- going with that thousands and thousands of dollars for a short period of time yeah it's hard to say hey we should probably man you know cuz w- cuz what happens what happens when the rut rolls around all these does are attracting these m- these big deer yeah and guess what you're not going to start whacking does in spots where you want to shoot big deer cuz you're using them as an attractant to get these big deer yeah and shooting them in bow season's tough because you know, bow hunting deer is not typically that easy. I bet a lot of like the eastern states and places where people are hunting smaller parcels and they really self manage it mm-hmm. would probably have some good advice on how to manage these bigger places like this. Yeah. Because they dive so deep into we have to take care of the herd we have to kill this kind of buck this year so that we can have that kind of buck in five years from now, mm-hmm. you know. We can't kill any bucks this year. We've just got to take some does out. Yeah. And they pay so close of attention to it because they have such a small plot to work with. But Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it is. It's a huge issue. And uh, we're actively, I mean, we as people that are trying to jump into this industry are actively trying to figure out solutions or at least make it aware so that people can help act on it you know yeah so that we can keep having these opportunities keep hunting these places and still still keep the populations where they need to be yeah for sure not take away the opportunity but we are also trying to expose you know little corrupt areas also that might be getting slid underneath the the rug yeah because if everyone if everyone knows what's going on it's better for everyone and if one group is in the in the blinders about something, then it's you know loses all trust and faith to making a better strategy going forward. Yeah. So there it is, man. There it is. Chime if in, guys, and let us know what you think about this. If you have an idea of how to better manage this, or you just want to talk about it and get together and try to you know make the commission of FWP aware, then. Let's let's do let's it. Have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Let's bring it to the forefront, and people are doing it. You know, yeah. there's different groups that are all working to do that. You betcha. But the problem is, is some of these groups don't get along. No, and that's what you know. It's kind of a burr in the side, is because this group doesn't get along with that group, and so why would I do this if it only benefits this group instead of the overall picture? So that's what. My goal is in the future is to t- kind of unite hunters and anglers as one. Sure. Whether you're a bow hunter, rifle hunter, fisher, fly fisherman, bait fisherman, what, <laughs> like whale hunter, ele- <laughs> what's uh, Wyoming is smart in this aspect. They the governor, you know, is real big on sage grouse. Yeah. And he said something very smart, and I agree with this. Is and it might be the ex governor now. He might be done now you know put in a couple years but sure what's good for the bird is what's good for the herd so 
if you're you're focused on one thing, it's benefiting or not benefiting another. Sure. So all these groups are needed to come together to benefit everything. You bet. But thanks for tuning in on this special episode of In the News. <laughs>